You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Well, good morning and happy Valentine's Day there to you, church at home family. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to thank you for tuning in as we are in a series right now called Relationship Goals, where we are talking about love. We're talking about amour. We're talking about that special sort of sparks flying and well, really just for married people. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, so this is actually a series on marriage. Uh, I thought Valentine's would be a good day to kick it off. But listen, don't, don't freak out if you're single. Okay. So if you're like, oh man, like there's nothing in this for me. Here's why you should, you should watch this series uh, anyway, because number one, um, if you ever plan on being married someday, you're going to get something out of this. And you go, well, no, I'm not. That, that's fine. Listen, I'm not saying that singleness is a lesser state of being. I don't believe that. So, but here's the other thing. Okay. Here's why you should pay attention if you're single, because also you're going to know somebody who's married. So maybe like you pick up something in this series and you're talking with a friend and they're unloading their marital troubles on you and you're like backup freak, but then you realize, oh my gosh, uh, I, I know a thing I can help with that. And so man, you can just bless somebody right there. But if you are married, this, I mean, I just think this is going to be so great because here's what's going to happen in this series. We're going to learn some basic skills about being married. And my prayer for us, and we've actually, our team has been praying this morning for you and your marriage. Uh, my prayer is that uh, your marriage will be strengthened by uh, the next few weeks. And so um, here's why I think it's necessary to do a series on marriage. Because marriage is a thing that's an incredible commitment. It's a blessing from God. And yet, as huge as it is, we're not really prepped for how to do it right. I mean, the way that most of us d- decide that we'll be good at marriage is we, we pick up some skills and we, we watch other people being married and we're like, okay, I like this, I don't like that. And it kind of stops there. Like, like, there's no class on marriage. Like, if you thought about that, like, you, know, you, you want to drive a car. If you want to drive a car, you have to take a class, you have to study, there's a test involved. If you want to get married, all you do is you just go to a courthouse. I mean, that's the bare minimal. I, I, I believe there's, you should do more than that. But I mean, really, when it comes to state requirements, there, there's not that much required other than being 18 and deciding, all right, this is it, I'm in. Like, and I mean, with such a huge thing that could change your life forever, maybe we should learn some more skills for it than that because the, the proof is in the pudding that we as a people are not great at marriage. I mean, depending on who you read, this is just a popularly uh, known stat that between 40 and 60% of marriages end in divorce. I mean, like flip a coin that for, for most people in our culture, that's where uh, the, the marriage probability is. And to make matters worse, for those of us in the church who value marriage, who believe that marriage has been created by God, who believe that marriage is a lifelong commitment between one man and one woman, like even within our ranks, the the divorce rates aren't that different from our secular counterparts. And that's kind of weird, right? Because we would think that, okay, like if we believe the book, if, if we believe that God hates divorce, and not divorced people, by the way, No, no, like if you're divorced, you probably hate divorce as well. But like the idea of divorce, like a family shattering and breaking apart, God hates that. Yet even though we believe that for many of us, our divorce rates are the same. So we would think. But here's the crazy part. A number of years ago, Christianity Today, they heard those stats. They heard that, okay, when it comes down to it, uh, 
divorce rates among Christians in America are not that different between, I mean, slightly lower, but not that different between them and, and their secular uh, counterparts. They decided to do a study because here's the interesting thing about uh, those of us who identify as Christian. It's a really broad term. I mean, the idea of Christian, like, I mean, like for a lot of people in our culture, they'll check the box of Christian. They'll be like, okay, well, I'm not Buddhist, so check Christian. God, that, that's what I am. I went to Sunday school with my grandma when I was seven, check Christian. That, that's what I am. But if you were to talk about, like, are you pursuing the Lord in life? And are, like, do you know Jesus personally? Like, that language is entirely foreign to them. So here's what Christianity Today did. They said, okay, listen, let's just take a study among those who actively pray together. Like, I mean, like, like a husband and wife who, okay, every single day, what they do is they decide they're going to seek the Lord together. They're going to pray together. Something as simple as just talking to God together. Okay, now here's the crazy part. So remember, in our, in our, in our country, divorce rates between 40 and 60%. Okay, but the divorce rates of those who prayed together regularly went down from 40 to 60%, 40 to 60% down to 0.001%. Let that sink in for a second here. I mean, my gosh, why? Well, it, because it's really, really simple. Um, the couple that prays together stays together. And, and, and we shouldn't be surprised by this. I mean, just like on a basic, like logical thing. I mean, think about it this way. Um, when you pray with somebody, I mean, my gosh, it's really difficult to remain angry at somebody that you're praying with, isn't it? I mean, like, like to sort of have to swallow your pride and take somebody's hand out. Like, we're going to go to God together. Like, all that animosity just goes away. On, on top of that, you know, people that you pray with, you tend to share their heart, right? I mean, like, if you're joining in prayer with somebody, it, it humbles you. It also puts you on mission together. And on top of this, and this is just the preacher and me, but I just think it's, duh. Listen, when you invite God into something, he takes you up on it. And so when you invite God into your marriage, Watch him as he walks into it and begins to put pieces together. And so, I mean, listen, this is just Bible. For instance, here's what, here's what Jesus says in Revelation 3.20. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm knocking at the door of your heart. I'm knocking at the door of your life. And if you open that door, if you say, yes, Lord, come on in, I will do life with you. I will let you into wherever, or I will be with you wherever you let me into. And so this is so true with our marriages. And so what we want to do in this series is talk about some relationship goals. Ways to reframe our marriage so that as we invite God into them, we will see success and our marriages will be healed, they'll be transformed, they'll be revolutionized for the kingdom of God and for our hearts and families as well. And so with that all in mind, listen, here's the very first relationship goal I want to encourage you to have. If we're talking about changing your marriage and inviting God into it, within that all that idea of the couple who prays together stays together, here's relationship goal number one. Really simple. <laughs> Put God first. Put God first in your marriage. Like when it comes down to it, what a lot of us want to do is we want to fit God into what we want to do. And so we have, like, we decide, okay, here's where I want my life to go. Here's where how I'm going to decide things. And if I have time for faith and if I have time for religion and prayer, okay, maybe I'll put that in there. But no, what I want to encourage you to do is when it comes down to how you live your life as a Jesus follower, when it comes down to how you as a couple are, are choosing the trajectory of your life, what it means is that your mission is about following Jesus 
first. And so what we want to do as a, as a husband and wife, the goal of our lives is to, per, is to pursue God together. So I want to encourage you, put God first. And this includes praying together for sure. But it also includes the choices that you make in your family, in your household. So it means regularly deciding to do church together and, or, or joining a community group or, or just seeking the Lord, like studying the Bible together, reading a book together, like inviting God in. On top of that, it, 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 putting God first determines how you spend your money. Because you decide, okay, listen, we as a, like as a couple, we're going to prioritize giving to the kingdom of God all over the earth, through the local church, through uh, parachurch organizations, ho however you're convicted to do that. But listen, this is going to determine how we spend our money because what we're not going to do is give God our leftovers. We're not going to like spend all our money and if, I, if I've got a little bit extra, I'm going to tip God. No, no, no. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to go, all right, number one, Lord, you get our finances before everything else. And hey, by the way, how many of you know that one of the biggest points of fighting, one of the biggest sources of conflict in marriages is money? So what if from the outset you put God first and you decide, okay, like we're going to create a, a system and a framework for how we use our money. Put you on the same page right there. On top of that, it makes it a priority in how you raise your kids. And this is such a big deal. We find this in the Bible, this idea of, of choosing before anything else happens. I love it. There's a story in the book of Joshua. Maybe you've read Joshua where, you know, the Israelites, they, they start out with Moses in the, like, being freed from Egypt, and then they go into the desert. Moses dies in the desert, and, and Joshua is the story of the Israelites taking hold of the promised land. It's them setting up their lives, like this new home, you know, so they've, they've, they've had these conquests, and they've got the land that they're going to live in. And near the end of Joshua, what happens is Joshua sort of, he rallies everybody together, and sort of imagine it as, it, as this, this, this promised land, this, this desert graduation day. Where, okay, guys, you're about to begin your life today. You know, like it's sort of this commencement speech that Joshua is giving to these, 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 these fresh-eyed people who are about to, you know, they're going to set up the white picket fence. They're going to set up their homes. They're going to set up their lives. And he says this in Joshua 24, 15. And this is so powerful. It's just like he reminds them of all the stuff that God has done for them. And then in Joshua 24, 15, he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. In other words, Joshua is saying, like, God's not going to make you serve him. So right now, you've got a choice. Everybody serves someone. Everybody serves something. Maybe for you, it's not a foreign God. Maybe you serve money. Maybe you serve stuff. Maybe you serve pleasure. Maybe you serve vacations. But Joshua says, listen, okay, from the outset, you've got to choose who you're going to serve. And the reason you've got to choose who you're going to serve is because life is going to pull at you in all directions. And if you're not prepared to choose right now, before that happens, you're going to just go wherever the wind takes you. So he says, all right, choose. Who is it that you're going to serve? And he says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Guys, I can't choose what you're going to do. I can't control how the rest of the world's going to be, but I can control what's going to happen in my house with my family. I can't control my, my boss's priorities. I can't control my job's priorities. I can't control the government's priorities. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm telling you, this is such a big principle. And when it comes down to it, we talk about putting God first. You want to decide before anything else happens, your priorities. Because life is going to push and pull at you. And you're going to be asked more things than you can possibly give. You're going to be asked like to use your time in ways, like in so many conflicting ways, because here's the truth. Every yes you say to something is a no to something else. 
You're going to be pulled in all these different directions. And so if you don't choose right now who's going to be number one and how it's going to go, then what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself a victim of circumstance. We're going to look back on the end of your life and you're going to be like, man, where did that time go? I, we, I, I had kids and now they're grown. And I, I didn't invest in them in the, in the way I would have liked. And, you know, I, I was divorced. I, I was married. And we're divorced. I don't even know how our marriage fell apart. And man, I, I wish I could have done it different. Well, here's why right now you choose today who you're going to serve. And, and if you're a Jesus follower, I'm telling you, the very first relationship goal you want to give is to put God first. I love it. Andy Stanley says it like this. He says, listen, because there are so many things that pull at us, you want to choose who you're going to cheat because you're going to cheat someone. If you choose like that, you're going to put your job first. You're doing so to the cheating of your children. Like you're cheating them out of time with you. If you choose uh, like your finances, you can do so to the exclusion of relationships. And so he goes, listen, choose who to cheat. For me, I've lived by this for years. And so I have a template I want to give you. I think this is in line with the scriptures. You don't have to, you can, you can go with your own, but I just believe that this one works. And so I have, I have in my head a, a list of priorities. And so if I say, okay, who am I putting first? For me, at number one is God. God comes before anything else. Like when it comes down to the decisions that I make, when it comes down to the way that I want to live life, the one who gets my unquestioning loyalty is God. Number two is my spouse. So, okay, like, and I say number two, because all right, if my spouse ever asks me to do something that's contrary to God, I say no. All right, so God, spouse, and number three, my kids. My kids. My kids come before my job. My kids come before you. I love you, but they do. And then number four, everything else. Everything else. So I go, God, it's my filter. God, spouse, kids, everything else. And I want you to, by the way, just pay attention to that order, okay? Spouse, then kids. We live in a culture right now that idolizes children. Listen, we, we, we appreciate children like never before, and that's great. They are blessings from God. But I, I want to just say this because I've had enough conversations with married couples now where here's what happens. Okay, young moms, I, I need you to hear this right now. What happens is we've become to idolize motherhood in the way that a lot of young wives, what they're doing is they're putting their children before their husbands, and that's a mistake. Now, now, if your husband's being abusive, okay, obviously, okay, get, get away from that. But I'm talking about like day-to-day -day choices, like my mom has time for the kids all the time, but husband feels neglected. And here's what happened. I mean, I talk to the guys so often and they're so ashamed. I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation where the guy's like, I'm, I'm miserable in my marriage and I hate to say it, but I actually, I'm starting to resent my kids because I've lost my wife to them. And, and wives, listen, I know you like, love your kids for sure, but I want you to remember something, that in your marriage covenant, you pledged, remember, forsaking all others, that includes your kids, that you put your husband before, that you invest in your relationship with him. Because here's the crazy part, he can leave you, your kids can't. Now, should he? No. But, but what you want to do is invest in your spouse, because listen, if you want to be a good parent, how many of you know that one of the best gifts you can give your children is a good marriage? Because they will define relationships based on how they see you model it. And so if your husband is resentful and he's removed or your wife is resentful and she's removed because you've been choosing your kids over your spouse, they're going to see that. And that will infuse into their little hearts. And more to the point, what a lot of us want is we think that, okay, listen, if I'm just spiritual enough, then God will fix the rest. But there is such a thing as wisdom. What a lot of us want is to live however we want and then ask God to fix it rather than take responsibility, rather than make the hard choices. And so again, this comes back to deciding your priorities up front. Galatians 6, 7, 8 say it like this. Do not be deceived. God 
cannot be mocked. In other words, what, what Paul who wrote Galatians is saying, he's saying, listen, don't think I'll just do whatever I want and God will be fine with it and God will take care of it if I pray. God is not your servant. You can't mock him like that. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Look at this. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, well, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. In other words, you reap what you sow. And if I could just say it like this, I want to be real with you. You can't ask God to bless your mess. You can't. You can't decide, I'll just do whatever I want. I'm sure God will take care of it. No, no. Right now, you decide. Right now, you put him first. Right now, well, I haven't been doing that. Well, today is the day where that changes. When you're single, let me say it to you this way, okay? Because a lot of you, what you do is you get so afraid of being alone that you just cut corners relationally and, and you start to date people you should not date. You start to embrace lifestyles that you should not embrace. And my question for you is, why? listen, when you're single, it's easier. Why would you think that you'll honor God in your marriage when you don't honor him when you're single? Why would you think that? Why would you think, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to live with my, my guy and I'm sure it'll be fine. No, what you're doing is you're building a foundation of distrust. Because when you sleep with somebody and you live with somebody that you're not married to, instead of your, like, your sexuality being a confirmation of lifelong commitment, it becomes an audition. It becomes an audition. It becomes, okay, like, I'll do this to show that I'm committed and we're a stepping stone to get where we want. And that will, not might, will have consequences in your marriage. It's why there's this thing sociologists call the cohabitation effect. It's why, like, when you're living with somebody before you're married, your chances of breaking up skyrocket, not might, do. I don't know anybody who questions this. Well, what happens? We expect God to bless our mess. And so I, I point blank say it again and again, either put a ring on it or move out. Regardless, when it comes to your parenting, you need to choose. Okay, like get your kids into, into church. Like read your Bible with the kids. Pour that into their lives. Because how many conversations have Pastor Josh and I have with parents whose kids are nuts? They're, just, they're nuts, all right? And the parent comes to us because they think that we're going to fix their kid. They go, okay, like, man, he's a teenager and he's gone off the rails. But okay, now we need to get some faith into their life. But you can't ask God to bless your mess. You will, not might, will reap what you sow. And so I'm saying right here, right now, what you're going to choose and what I'm going to choose is to put God first in our marriages. So that's relationship goal number one. Here's number two. You ready? Our goal is going to be to communicate well. Communicate well. Let me say it to you this way. Uh, several years ago, I was having a fr uh, lunch with a friend of mine who is a professional therapist. He meets with uh, people regularly to help them pick up the pieces of life. And man, I love counseling. I go to counseling. I love counseling. Man, what a blessing uh, in, in our country that we have. And, and uh, my friend who has uh, helped a lot of couples through different marital issues, I mean, he's done a lot of marriage counseling. I was just curious. I was like, hey, man, do you find any common threads among couples who are having problems? Like, is there a thing that tends to make uh, marriages suffer? I mean, like just sort of a, a common theme going through all of them. And he's sitting here and he's eating a chicken wing at lunch. He doesn't even look up from his wing. He just goes, communication, 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 and just bites right back into the wing. Like he even, didn't even hesitate. There was no like, let me think about it. No. Communication, communication, communication. Oh. Okay, why? Because uh, um, men and women, um, and I know this isn't popular to say in our gender-confused culture, uh, men and women are different. Like We are. We're different in all kinds of ways, emotionally, certainly physically. On top of that, we're different in how we communicate. 
like, like just a general rule. If you're curious, if you're like, man, why is it he never gets it when I'm talking? Why is it she never gets it when I'm talking? Chances are good you haven't uh, begun with this basic principle that when it comes down to how we communicate life, men are fixers and women are feelers. Let me say it again. Men are fixers. Women are feelers. Generally speaking, sometimes there are couples uh, where that, those roles are reversed, like me and my wife, I'm a feeler, she's a fixer, but mostly speaking, all right, like men are fixers, women are feelers. Here's what I mean. So for instance, you, you have a story where, where ha, ha, has this ever happened to you? All right, like to come home from work, okay, and wife comes in and she's like, oh my gosh, like my day was just the worst. There's this person at work and she's saying this and she's saying that to me. And, oh, I, it, just, it just bothers me so much and I don't know what to do. In comes your knight in shining armor and he goes, well, I'll tell you what you do. You go over to her and you say this and you do that and you do this. And the wife like, like becomes mortified. And she's, oh. and she's like, how could you say that to me? Like, don't you care? And he's looking, like, of course I care. I'm, I'm doing it like you said it. What do I do? Well, here's what you do. But brothers, here's the thing. She didn't want you to fix it. What she, like, she didn't want you to fix her problem. She wanted you to feel that she had it. So what she wanted was for you just to listen. And be like, oh, that's awful. Oh, I'm so, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Right now, okay. What? what why? Fixer, feeler. Now, sisters, just know that, like, if your if your husband says, like, well, you should just do this, he is doing it from a place of absolute listening and absolute love. He just experiences communication completely different than you do. All right, like, and so, brothers, let me give you this. Here's, here's, if I could, let me give you a marriage saving phrase right now. Okay, so your wife comes home and she's telling you about a thing, and everything in you is like, oh, I'm, gonna, I, I'm gonna get like the socket wrench of our relationship. I'm gonna fix it right now. Here's what you do. Okay, just two words, and it's gonna grind on your soul. But say, like, say it. It will save your marriage. Ready? Here's, here it is. That stinks. Let me say it again. That stinks. Just, just, and just leave it. Well, I'm, I just feel like this. Oh, that stinks. Oh, I'm so sorry. Right, and watch. And she's going back. Thank you for listening. Now he was listening before. He was listening before, but now you're connecting on a more, uh, better, communicative path. And and this is biblical. This idea of understanding that we're different. First Peter three seven says it like this: Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner. It doesn't mean like weaker in terms of quality, but generally speaking, men are physically stronger than women, okay? As the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. In other words, what Peter is saying is, listen, brothers, husbands, treat your wives well because there is much important to God and in Christ as you are. And you've got to understand that she is wired differently from you. And wives, you have to know that as well. That listen, men do not communicate like women. And guys, women do not communicate like men. And it's unreasonable for you to expect your spouse to relate, communicate, and respond like you would. It's not who they are. She's not a man. He's not a woman. You just can't expect that from them. But what you want to do is do everything that you can to meet each other in the middle with this reality that men are fixers and women are feelers. On top of that, and you go, okay, well, that's good. Well, what, what do I communicate? Because that's a really, like you talk about communication, bro. Like, that's a really big umbrella for, for us. Like, so, so what, is there something that I could communicate? Like, okay, at the end of the day, if there was just one thing, I could make sure that my wife knew that I communicated well. Or one thing that my husband knew that I could communicate well, that I could just give everything to. Is there just one sort of core need to be communicated? The answer is yes. Yes, there is. And we find it in the word. I love it. Paul writes this in Ephesians 5.33. He says, however, 
each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Let me read that again. Each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. There's a study done uh, by the University of Washington that, that surveyed 2,000 couples over a course of 20 years, all right? And they just began to observe, like, okay, what are the healthy components of, of, of a healthy relationship? And they, and they said, in conclusion, they said, well, listen, we now know. Okay, we now know that there are two ingredients that must be present in order for a relationship to be successful, a marriage to be successful, and they are love and respect, and I'm getting this, of course, from uh, Emerson Aggregate's book, Love and Respect. Fantastic book. We'll put a link to it uh, in, in the comments or notes section or somewhere. You can buy it on your own time. But listen, when it comes down to it, love and respect are the primary needs of all, all of us. We all need to be loved and respected, but in different ways. Um, more to the point, a man's primary need is to be respected. And a woman's primary need uh, is to be loved. And I'll flesh that out, but I'll, I'll, I'll give an example to you. So if you're like, how do you know that? Um, besides the fact that there have been lots of studies on this, um, I'll give you an example. So I, I came across this, this question years ago by uh, Shanti uh, Felden, who's a social researcher. Um, and I asked it at church. I was just like, I'm just kind of curious. And so it's back when we were meeting in the Hampton Inn. Um, and uh, I just threw this question out there just to see how people would react. And here's what the question was. Okay, I said, would you rather be left alone and unloved in the world or viewed as inadequate and disrespected by everyone? Let me ask it again, okay? Would you rather be left alone and unloved in the world or viewed as inadequate and disrespected by everyone? Now, here's what happened, okay? After church, I had a guy come up to me who uh, is a state trooper, and he's like, man, that question. He goes, I would rather live on a desert island with no human contact and no affirmation than be disrespected by everyone. He says, I can't even fathom like that type of existence. But guess what? For the women, it's the exact opposite. No, what they craved was the connection and, and, and the feeling loved. Why? Um, because our primary needs are different. In Agric's book, Love and Respect, he, he, one of the things that they did was they surveyed uh, about 7,000 people. 7,000 people. And this is the question that they asked. They said, when you are in a conflict with your spouse, do you feel unloved or disrespected? Now, here's the crazy part. You ready for this? Okay. Same conflict happening, okay? 83% of the men said disrespected. And 72% of the women said unloved, because here's why, okay? Typically, in a conflict, what happens is like the husband and wife are fighting, the husband responds in a way that makes the wife feel unloved, and the wife responds in a way that makes the husband feel disrespected. It's a conflict's about. And I just need you to understand how big a deal this is. Like, listen, like, ladies, if you want to understand the heart of a man, listen, men serve and die about honor. Like, come on, we, we love those stories of the guy, like, throws himself down on a grenade to protect his brothers. Like, like we love those stories of, of like, like, selflessness and, and, and being respected. Like, you should just know men cannot, cannot handle the idea of you finding them inadequate or, or not respecting them for who they are. It's true of your husband. 
Now listen, does that mean that you have to respect every behavior? No, we're not, we're not talking about behavior. We're talking about the essence, the spirit of who he is. You may disagree with his, his behavior. Not all of his behavior will be respectable. But here's the deal. If a man feels looked down upon, forget it. He's done. Like he's checked out. He needs to know from you that he is good enough. Like his entire life, what's been drilled into him is measure up, measure up, measure up. Are you strong enough? Are you smart enough? Are you tough enough? Do you give enough? Like what he needs to know is that he is enough. And so what you want to do in everything that you communicate to your husband is that you respect him, who he is, and that he's enough for you. Now, brothers, your wives need to feel loved and valued above all else. Above all else, you need to pursue her with everything that you got. Now, we, like love can be defined in different ways. There's a great book called Five Love Languages. I'll put a link for that as well. I really recommend that uh, because they're they're like what is communicated as love to us may be different. So, for instance, maybe love is uh, physical touch. Maybe it's works of service like doing the dishes. Uh, maybe it's words of affirmation. I mean, like love may be different things, but what you want to do is show her a gift. It, it, you want to show her above all else that you are pursuing her with everything you have. Because here's the crazy part. Women feel duped when you don't. Like, let me say, like, how many times have I heard this story, right? So like the couple sits down in front of me and they go, all right, I, like, like the wife's going, I don't understand. Like, you know, like when we were dating, um, he, I mean, he would call. So I mean, what are you doing today? I, just, I just can't get away from you. I just want to hear how your day is going. He sent me flowers and we'd, we'd go on dates. We had this adventure together and I just knew how much he cared. But then we got married. We got the house and like the spark is gone. Like he, it doesn't seem like he's interested anymore. Like what happened? Well, here's what happened. Okay. Again, remember men brain fixer? Here's what happened. We're very functional. Okay. So he saw you. He fell in love with you. And he went, all right, I've got to get her in my life. And so he wooed you, he was with you, he still thinks the world of you, but he was going after you. Then he married you, he, he went, I got her. Like, problem solved, like, I did it, I did the task. Like in the same way, you know, I don't try to keep bait on the hook after the fish is in the boat, I got her, she's in the boat, done, all right? Now, here's the problem, here's the problem, okay? <laughs> she don't feel that way. Why, because she's not wired like you, all right? And so what you wanna do, husbands, you wanna make sure that your wife feels valued, appreciated, and noticed. That you're looking, I mean, you come home, you're like, man, like, I'd be looking for stuff that she did during that day. And, oh, and you know, hey, like, what happened during you? I want to know about it. Like, hey, what's going on in your heart? What's going on in your life? And I'm not here to fix it. I just want to experience life with you. She needs to know that you are the most, or, or she is the most important person in your world. And she needs to know, by the way, that you're committed to your relationship with her. And it's also, she needs to feel close to you. And you want to do everything that you can to sow into that need because I'm telling you that's the primary thing. And so what happens? Well, what happens is when those needs aren't met, explosions abound. I'll give you an example. How many times have I heard this story? Husband comes home from work. He's tired. Uh, wife gets in from work. She's tired as well. But, you know, her, her priority is, is about experiencing life together, feeling pursued and valued. And so she says, like, you know, she, she sincerely wants to connect with her husband. Like she, like she wants to experience life with him. Say, she's pro him. She, and by the way, just, just give your spouse the benefit of the doubt that they're pro you. They wouldn't have married you if they weren't. Okay. But anyway, so she comes in and she says to her husband, because she feels disconnected and again, love primary need. And she goes, hey, I, I'm just a little bit concerned because I feel like we don't spend enough time together. But well, here's what happens to the husband. Again, not his primary need. And so what he hears is, you're not doing enough. 
Okay, let's okay. I know you've been working hard. I know you've been at work. Okay, and uh, I know you give for our family, but I need you to do something else because what you're doing isn't enough. And so he goes, "What the heck? Like, I'm, I'm doing all that I can, right?" And so what she's communicating is, "I want to connect with you." What he hears from her is, "I am not enough." And so you see, you see the problem right here: love not met, respect not met. And so the problem compounds. It gets bigger. It gets bigger. It gets inflated. And by the way, it's not just you. Some of you right now, you're like, oh my gosh, he's been, he's been bugging at our house. Nope, nope, this is so common. This is so common. And so what does it come back to? It comes back to like communicating those primary things. Wives, communicating, like, generally speaking, okay? Communicating to your husbands, respect to him. Hey, you know what? I'm not, not agree with that decision that you made, but I'm gonna choose to follow you in it because you are the leader of our house and I'm gonna do everything I can to help you going forward. Husbands, it means, man, you know, it's, it's one o'clock and I could fart around on YouTube videos while on my lunch break, but instead, I'm just gonna shoot my wife a text or call her real quick and just find out how her day's going, see what's on her heart. I mean, it's those little things. But in everything that you do, you're communicating love and respect. And right now, I'm gonna abruptly cut us off because, okay, we've learned these, these two relationship goals, but this series is basically one big talk. So we're gonna abruptly end it right here. For today, here's what I want you to remember, okay? Like the very first two relationship goals to see God transform our marriages. Number one, we're gonna put him first. We're going to put God first in our lives, in our marriages, in our families. And number two, we are going to communicate well. So let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters who are watching this, who you have plans for their marriages. You are going to begin to put hearts and marriages back together for the glory of your son, Jesus, as they are inviting you into their relationships, as they are inviting you into their households. Lord, you're going to say, okay, listen, I'm, I'm at the door knocking. If you invite me in, I'm going to eat with you. And like right now, you're going to do life with them. Lord, I pray for the ones who are hanging on by a thread right now, that you would just let them hold on a little bit longer so that they could, they could come to know you through their marriages because ultimately, Lord, marriage is about you. This difference of man and woman coming together in lifelong covenant, that, that is the image of the bride, us, with you, the bridegroom. So Lord, we ask you, may your name be glorified through our marriages. Bring healing, bring life, bring transformation this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, and also, for the one right now um, who's feeling discouraged, who's reeling from betrayal from their spouse, may this be the day where forgiveness begins to take place as they hang on until, life, until God brings transformation there. All right, we pray that all in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church family, I am excited to continue this series with you, Relationship Goals. Bless you, have a great week, and we'll see you next week for more.